Welcome to Addressing Alaskans, where we feature community conversations around South Central Alaska. Join us on Alaska Public Media as we travel throughout our community and listen to local groups discuss what matters to them. Thanks for joining us today for Addressing Alaskans. I'm Ammon Swenson. Today's show features the Anchorage Economic Development Corporation's three-year outlook. Speakers include Anchorage Mayor Ethan Berkowitz, AEDC Board Chair Lynn Rust Henderson, and keynote speaker Tim Moore of Diamond View Studios. This program was edited for time. The full program, along with presentation slides, can be found on the Addressing Alaskans page on alaskapublic.org. We begin with AEDC President and CEO Bill Pop. Thank you for joining us. We have a wide-ranging program planned for you today and hope you find value in the information and perspectives we will share. Now it is my ple great pleasure to open the event by introducing the chair of the Anchorage Economic Development Corporation Board of Directors, Ms. Lynn Rust Henderson. Good morning. Thank you, Bill. Welcome, everyone. And I'm proud that Premier Blue Cross Blue Shield of Alaska is a sponsor of today's event. I'm also honored to serve as chair of the AEDC Board of Directors and I believe that AEDC brings effort and focus to Anchorage's econ economic development and works to strengthen public-private partnerships in our community. As we prepare to hear Bill's three-year outlook, we know the situation we're likely heading into will cause us to work harder than ever. Our work will not be business as usual, but we, the board, can assure you that as we move forward, one thing is constant. AEDC remains steadfast in our commitment to maintaining and expanding our workforce and attracting public-private investment to further our city's growth. Last January, I spoke to you about our work with community partners and plan to activate throughout Anchorage. We continue to move forward collectively to create one voice to address community needs and development. Additionally, these organizations had to make a short-term pivot from development to responsiveness to the community's needs. This, in large part, looked like helping to bring restaurants into the streets, communicating regularly with business owners to keep them apprised of the changing environment and how their businesses could survive, thrive, and more. The community's response to these efforts demonstrates indomitable spirit of our collective innovation. AEDC's original vision and mission, though, have not changed. It's more important now than ever that we continue our goals of activating downtown Anchorage, re-energizing the new med district, and bringing new life to the Chester Creek Greenbelt. It's, mo it's more important now that we engage large employers as well as small employers and partners in the public sector to build our capacity for development. This will require change. As we move forward into the next chapter, AEDC will be a strong advocate for policies that not only make Anchorage a great place for families, business and investment, but also assist our organization's efforts to attract and retain a quality workforce. We will lead in developing strategies such as training programs to support new job opportunities for reskilling displaced workers. We will look for doors opened by the pandemic, like the attraction of newly mobile remote workers to Anchorage, and make the most of them. For example, now that employees can work from anywhere, our wide open spaces, outdoor recreation, internet, and 5G resources make Anchorage a premier destination. All of our efforts and ideas will require an inclusive and equitable foundation for the future growth of our local economy. As our local landscape is reshaped, we are going to need investments in our community to be successful. And we need your support more than ever. 
We need all businesses, every industry, every size, every skill set mobilized towards Anchorage's recovery. The business community is powerful, agile, and relentlessly dedicated. Let's bring that energy up building to, up to our community. Let's chart a course for the strong Anchorage. And in closing, I want to thank you all for coming today, for your support of our organization, your sponsorship, and your membership in AEDC. Truly, without you, none of this would be possible. So, on behalf of the AEDC Board of Directors, I want to thank you all for your time and attention this morning. And now it is my pleasure to introduce Mayor Ethan Berkowitz. We really appreciate Mayor Berkowitz joining us today, given his busy schedule, to share his thoughts and perspectives on the current state of COVID-19 response efforts and his views on the future of Anchorage. Ladies and gentlemen, we know that the mayor has been dealing with a number of critical issues over the last several months, and it is a pretty thankless job. And we know that he is working hard on behalf of the city of Anchorage to make sure that we have opportunities in the future to recover from this very terrible situation that we find us in with the pandemic and the impacts that it is having on all aspects of our lives here in the city of Anchorage. It is a challenging time for all levels of government and for all levels of the business community. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mayor Ethan Berkowitz. Well, Bill, thank you very much. It is a pleasure to be here. Not as much of a pleasure as it would be if I was staring out on an audience of thousands as I have in past years. But the news I have to report, I think, is, is going to be news that people are going to be pleased with. Firstly, Anchorage is in a strong financial situation. The bond rating agencies think that our, our situation is stable. We are given the highest bond ratings possible. That is a good indicator for the future. It is a good indicator why people should continue to invest in us. It's also why we're seeing construction starts be higher this year than they were last year. Yes, you heard me say that. Construction starts are higher this year than they were last year. That's because people believe in this community and are willing to invest in it. That's a critically important thing for us to recognize. And most mornings, many of you wake up to the sound of pile driving at the port of Alaska. And what that means is that we are building the infrastructure that's necessary for Alaska to succeed into the future. Now, I know that these are difficult times, and this pandemic has revealed a lot of vulnerabilities in our economy. But those vulnerabilities also can be perceived as opportunities. We've seen those opportunities in ways that we can fill some of the leakage that exists in our economy. If we can start to provide the workforce that others have shipped to Alaska, then we'll be able to find jobs for Alaskans. If we can produce some of the goods that we are left vulnerable to, we, and we've seen it in response to the pandemic. We have produced N95 quality masks. We have produced some of the equipment that's necessary for us to do the testing. We can do more. We can fill some of the, the food gaps that exist. Because if we fill those leakages, then we have the opportunity to build this for our future. Now, I know this pandemic has been incredibly difficult, and my, my heart is really going out to the people who work in the hospitality industry, because unfortunately, this is a, a, a disease that affects social interaction. It targets social interaction. And just as we put a huge burden on that industry, on bars and restaurants and hotels to scale back, I think it's responsibility, the responsibility of the community to step in and protect those those, the individuals who work there and the businesses that are invested there. They're protecting us, we need to protect them because the story of success for Anchorage and for all of Alaska and for America even is that when we do things together, we succeed. And that's the call in front of us right now. These are difficult times, I'm fully aware of that. But I have incredible faith in the people of this community. We've met adversity in the past with grace and with grit. We can continue to do so now. If we show the grace to be kind to one another, if we're understanding, if we take an extra moment and suspend judgment, 
then we can, then we remember that we are neighbors through all this, that one day this will be behind us. And if we show the strength and the toughness and the grit that Alaskans have always shown, we'll be able to be ingenious and take more control of our destiny. And that's always been sort of the Alaskan way. We want to be independent, self-reliant people. And this pandemic has exposed some of the ways that we haven't quite measured up to what our aspirations are. But it's important for us to recognize we can achieve those aspirations. I've, I've said that being in government is about things that are foundational and things that are aspirational. Our foundation is strong. We have a tremendous population. We are welded together. The resources of Alaska are still in the ground and in the waters. We will always have opportunity to add value to them but it is really important for us to do it together. And so I want to thank the community for having risen to this challenge. Know that we are in a position to take advantage of the opportunities that exist. Know that the road ahead is not going to be easy, but be aware that we are ready and we will prevail. So I want to thank Bill and AEDC, the sponsors, for having put together this luncheon. It is an indicator that our economy, though battered, is not bowed. And though battered, we will come back. We will come back stronger. We will come back with more opportunities. And that's because we are Anchorage and we are Alaska. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mayor Berkowitz. We appreciate your leadership through this challenging period in our city. And now on behalf of the AEDC Board of Directors, it is my pleasure to present the current Anchorage economic indicators, the Anchorage Consumer Optimism Index, and the AEDC three-year economic outlook for 2020. Now, please note that all of these reports referenced today are available for review and download right now at aedcweb.com. So let's begin. And where to begin? So much has happened since last March that it is hard to pick a starting point. Let's start with the simple fact that Anchorage, like much of the rest of the world, is facing an ongoing disaster that changes in some way practically every day. This makes for an extremely challenging time for businesses, for workers and consumers. How do you plan your future of your business, your career, or your life when it feels like it is impossible to anticipate much beyond next week, never mind the coming year and beyond? Today, AEDC will share a number of perspectives that we believe will be of help to you, your family, and your business as we try to navigate through these incredibly challenging and difficult times. Today's presentation will first cover current indicators for the Anchorage economy and just how bad the damage is that has been caused by the, already by the COVID-19 pandemic. We'll look at the situation from a number of points of view, including jobs data and hiring trends, consumer optimism, and a deep dive into the future outlook for Anchorage's economy, including population, personal income, industry sectors, housing and tonnage, and traffic at the airport and the Port of Alaska, and a detailed look at the oil and gas sector and other information we believe is important for anyone to understand. Now, our first area to cover is where things stand today for the Anchorage jobs market. This part of today's presentation is made possible by the sponsorship of Alaska Executive Search and First National Bank Alaska. Now, first, we begin with a look back at 2019 employment data. 2019 is now officially the fifth year of the ongoing Anchorage recession we, uh, that we were dealing with before COVID-19 came to, came to town. Anchorage ended 2019 down 400 jobs, a 0.3% loss compared to 2018. Anchorage unemployment in 2019 averaged 5.1%, which is actually lower than the 5.3% rate seen in 2018. Now, this may seem odd that we lost jobs in 2019, yet unemployment, the unemployment rate was better than the year before. Now, this is because our total labor force shrank substantially in 2019 as part of a longer-term trend that I'll go into more detail about later in the presentation. Uh, 
So where do we stand so far in 2020? In the first quarter of 2020, Anchorage continued the trend of modest job losses we saw in 2019, setting up the beginnings of another year of recession. Then COVID-19 came to town and all bets were off. Anchorage average job losses for the first six months of 2020 stand at an average of 9,300 jobs, equal to a 6.2% loss of jobs compared to the same six month period in 2019. Unemployment ballooned to 8.8%, equal to an average of nearly 12,700 people out of work for the same period. Now let's look at the recent monthly data to get a better sense of the situation. Looking at the monthly jobs data, April saw total job losses at 19,000 compared to April of 2019. The situation improved ever so slightly in June when totaled about 16,200 jobs lost compared to June of 2019. Now it should be noted that the monthly job numbers uh, presented are Federal Department of Labor estimates and the actual numbers will be updated in the coming months but will likely be even worse. When looking at the monthly numbers for unemployment, April saw a huge spike with 20,000 workers unemployed at an unemployment rate of 13.9%. There was a slight decline in this rate down to 17,800 workers unemployed in June, but it's still equivalent to a 12% unemployment rate. Now, historically, there is no year on record in the modern history of Anchorage that comes close to the scale of these job losses in a single month or year. Looking at job losses by industry sector for the first half of 2020, leisure and hospitality saw the biggest losses down an average 3,200 jobs. This sector includes hotels, restaurants, bars, and related businesses. Retail trade lost 1,000 jobs, followed by 900 jobs lost in the combined goods producing sector that includes construction, oil and gas, and manufacturing jobs based in Anchorage. Surprising to some are the losses seen in healthcare that reached 800 jobs lost. The shutting down of elective procedures and reductions in administrative support jobs contributed to losses in this sector. All sectors of the Anchorage economy lost jobs in the first half of 2020, except for the federal government employment, which gained 100 jobs during this period, thanks mainly to the hiring for the census. A bright spot, J-Bear remains steady and continues uh, to be a bright spot for the Anchorage economy with 10,000 active duty personnel and 3,000 civilian jobs that have seen no reduction so far in 2020. Now the Anchorage labor force figures have been a growing concern for AEDC over the last six years. The labor force is defined as the number of Anchorage citizens employed combined with the number who are unemployed actively seeking work. Now at the end of 2019, Anchorage's total labor force stood at 149,000 400, the first time our total labor force has dropped below 150,000 since 2005. Therefore, we have been seeing very low rates of unemployment in Anchorage, even though we have been losing jobs from the economy since 2015. For example, in December, the Anchorage unemployment rate stood at a respectable 4.8%, even though Anchorage lost 1,000 jobs that month. That is because the labor force in December was down by 2,400 workers, compared to December of 2018. For the first half of 2020, our total labor force is still down by an additional 2,400 compared to the same period in 2019. And if job loss trends continue to remain extremely high for the rest of 2020, it is likely the labor force will see even bigger losses in the total numbers for the year. So job losses are at an unprecedented highs right now. Is there any hope for job seekers to find a job right now? 
Let's look at the second quarter hiring trends by reviewing the latest AEDC real-time jobs intelligence report, generously made possible by a sponsorship from KeyBank. This report analyzes online job postings by employers and provides quarterly data on how many jobs were posted in the quarter. The kind of jobs posted, salaries being offered, employers' um, skill sets and certificates employers want in job candidates, and much, much more information than we can go into in this brief presentation. But let's cover some of it. So what does this report tell us about hiring trends in Anchorage? Well, contrary to what you might think, employers were still hiring in the second quarter at just under 14,300 unique jobs posted in the Anchorage Matsu area. This is down by just over 1,900 postings, a 13.4% decline compared to the second quarter of 2019. It is likely there was still some pre-COVID momentum in job postings that carried into April that may have softened the decline in total job postings for this quarterly period compared to the same quarter in 2020. The number of employers posting jobs was also down 5% compared to 2019. Now there was a shift in the kinds of jobs being posted when you compare the top 10 most posted job openings in the second quarter of 2020 compared to the same quarter in 2019. White collar, tech, management, and maintenance job postings were in demand in 2019. Now lower paying food retail and fast food jobs lead demand in 2020. This is not to say these were the only jobs being posted. There were still a lot of job postings in most industry sectors, just fewer of those postings compared to last year. The demand for registered nurses, however, has remained at very high levels for the last five years, with estimates that 30% or more of the posted jobs for registered nurses continue to go unfilled. There has been and continues to be a large nursing shortage in Anchorage, much like the rest of the United States. Healthcare employers continue to take a large role in postings in Anchorage, but it is interesting to note that we now see new members in the top 10 employers list from retail, reflecting COVID-19 induced job demand from the grocery and home improvement categories of retail that were not in the top 10 list in the second quarter last year. Looking at job posting trends so far in 2020, we are seeing a number of shifts in attributable, attributable to the impacts of COVID-19, including a marked decline in overall demand for workforce, a shift away from white collar restaurant and bar jobs, and an increased demand for grocery retail workers and fast food workers. Registered nurses continue to see high demand for qualified candidates, as do many other skilled healthcare positions. So that's a snapshot of where things stand in the jobs market and demand for uh, workers in Anchorage so far in 2020. Not a lot there to inspire much confidence, but in Anchorage's services-based economy, consumer confidence is a critical element to the success of most businesses, directly or indirectly. Which brings us to our next report, the Anchorage Consumer Optimism Index. Using the Northern Economics Consumer Optimism Research Survey Tool as deployed by Alaska Survey, Survey Research, the second quarter AEDC Anchorage Consumer Optimism Index report is a measure of the confidence of Anchorage consumers have in the current local economy, confidence in their own personal finances, and the confidence Anchorage consumers have in the future of our economy. So what are consumers thinking? Well, at the end of 2019, consumer confidence was improving. Thanks to COVID-19, consumer confidence is moving in the exact opposite direction now. On a scale of 100, with scores below 50 leaning not optimistic and scores over 50 leaning optimistic, the second quarter saw a score of 49.3. AEDC views scores between 45 and 55 in the I'm not sure range of optimism. Let us look at the underlying metrics that make up the second quarter score. 
There are three elements that make up the overall Anchorage Consumer Optimism Index. Local economic confidence, personal financial confidence, and future expectations. At the end of 2019, local economic confidence stood at 52.9 and had been improving in previous reports in 2019. In this latest report, the score dropped by nearly six points and now is in the low, I am not sure range. Personal financial confidence remained in marked optimistic territory at 63.4, though down by 2.4 points since the end of 2019. It is likely the infusion of the extra $600 a week in federal pandemic unemployment assistance helped keep several survey respondents in a more positive frame of mind. Future expectations dropped the most since the, uh, uh, most by, since the end of 2019 by 8.3 points, 43.4, and now stands firmly in the not optimistic range of the index. Thousands of people out of work, hundreds of businesses closed, and a seemingly endless stream of bad news are likely contributors to this pessimism about the future of the Anchorage economy. The AEDC Consumer Optimism Index Survey results are released quarterly and provide a great tool for tracking the attitudes of consumers, an important measure for any business trying to plan for the future. So we've now taken a good look at many recent and current economic indicators to draw the picture of an Anchorage economy facing unprecedented challenges on a scale never before seen in the modern history of our city. With these perspectives as a backdrop, it is time to turn our attention to the possible economic future in store for our city with the presentation of the AEDC three-year outlook for the Anchorage economy. This is the 13th edition of the AEDC three-year outlook report. We are proud to have the outstanding team at the McDowell Group as our researchers for this report since its beginning. This year's three-year outlook report has been made possible by the generous support of North Rim Bank, Northern Air Cargo, and Widener Apartment Homes. Now, while today's presentation is intended to cover the greatest number of aspects of the Anchorage economy as possible, time does not allow for including all sections of the 2023-year outlook report in today's presentation. This year's report has been expanded significantly and covers in greater detail many of the elements of today's presentation, as well as other aspects of the economy that time does not allow us to address. Everyone is encouraged to read through the full report, which is now available for download at aedcweb.com. Now, to begin our presentation, it is important to recognize that we are in the early stages of what will likely be an ongoing state of affairs caused by COVID-19 for the next year or more at least, year or more at least. With only five months behind us, we have a long way to go before we see the end of this ongoing situation. And we've learned repeatedly during the last five months, new challenges seem to arise almost daily and will likely continue to do so for many months to come. All of this creates tremendous uncertainty about the future. Now, I offer this note of caution to make sure that you, the viewer, understand that our outlook today is based on the best information we have available and can easily change in the future. Positive and negative influences could include things like a dramatic rise in infections, an effective vaccine sooner than expected, or and other influences we may not see coming. With that, let us begin our review of the major trends and projections for the next three years in the Anchorage economy. Anchorage has been losing population since 2013, and we project that trend to continue through 2023. Job losses, the high cost of living in Anchorage, a likely more rapid economic recovery in the lower 48, and other factors contributed to our view that the Anchorage population will decline another 4,800 people net moving from our city by the end of 2023. Now, turning to Anchorage's employment outlook, we have a tough road to recovery. 
Remembering that Anchorage has already lost just over 6,000 jobs from 2015 through 2019 because of the ongoing recession, 2020 will see 11,100 average jobs lost. Combined, this totals over 17,000 jobs lost since 2015. <laughs> this is a staggering number to comprehend. In effect, all the job gains we have seen since 2001 have now been erased. Put another way, AEDC is projecting the loss of nearly two decades of job growth for the city of Anchorage by the end of 2020. Now the good news is that AEDC projects that Anchorage will return to job growth in 2021, which will begin a period of, measure, a period of recovery measured in years before we can hope to return to the record levels of employment our city last saw in 2015. Recovery job growth will continue through 2023, but total jobs in Anchorage by the end of 2023 will still remain at levels 4,200 less total jobs than seen at the end of 2019. Personal income is an important measure of economic health for any city or region. 2019 saw a record high levels of personal income at just over $20 billion for the citizens and businesses of Anchorage. COVID-19 has set us back, but not as much as we'd feared, thanks in no small part to large infusions of federal recovery dollars in our economy through the PPP and EIDL loan programs, as well as the $600 a week pandemic unemployment assistance program. With the hope that there will be, and I say hope, that there will be additional rounds of federal assistance in the future, AEDC projects a net loss of $1.1 billion in total personal income in 2020, followed by slow and steady growth in this measure over the following three years through 2023. 2019 saw a record number for passenger volumes at Ted Stevens Anchorage International Airport at nearly 5.8 million passenger employments. This was thanks to a record year for tourism, in that, uh, tourism Alaska enjoyed in 2019. 2020 saw those record levels of passenger volume torn down in a matter of a couple of months, thanks to COVID-19. AEDC is now projecting a 60% reduction in passenger volume at Ted Stevens Anchorage International Airport due to a lost year of non-resident tourism for Anchorage and Alaska. In 2021 and beyond, AEDC projects passenger volumes increasing and on the road to recovery, but this projection depends almost exclusively on a recovery in non-resident tourism to drive this growth, especially in the cruise industry sector that was a key force driving recent tourism trends. In 2019, 1.2 million cruise passengers visited Alaska, a key driver of passenger volumes at Ted Stevens Anchorage International Airport. Besides driving uh, volumes at the airport, tourism has driven tremendous growth in new businesses and tourism-related employment in Anchorage. One out of 10 jobs in Anchorage can be attributed to the tourism industry. And an additional one out of 10 jobs in Anchorage can be attributed to Ted Stevens Anchorage International Airport. Future growth in tourism will have the added bonus of future growth in jobs at Ted Stevens Anchorage International Airport. Now here's a bright spot. I had to have at least one in this presentation. A bright spot in a sea of bad news. Cargo volumes at Ted Stevens Anchorage International Airport are projected to grow in 2020. Now while the increase in volume is modest, this is good news just the same. Driving the growth and stability of cargo volumes at Ted Stevens Anchorage International Airport is the massive reduction in passenger flights between Asia and North America, which previously accounted for roughly half of air cargo transported between the two regions. Much of the cargo volume previously carried by passenger flights 
has now shifted to cargo-only aircraft, creating the modest increase in Ted Stevens Anchorage International Airport international cargo volumes in 2020. Now, as the number of passenger flights between Asia and North America increase in the coming years, combined with a likely recession in the United States, cargo volumes will likely decrease in 2021 and then see growth return in 22 and 23. Port of Alaska tonnage will remain largely unaffected in 2020 through 2023. AEDC is projecting a modest decline in tonnage at the port in 2021, followed by a return to growth in 22 and 23. In the first half of 2020, even during the early stages of the pandemic, freight volumes at the port rose slightly thanks to modest increases in jet fuel driven by increased, increased cargo flights that helped offset the decline in container shipments. Thanks to the outlook for the air cargo, cargo volumes at Ted Stevens Anchorage International Airport, the Port of Alaska should see relatively stable tonnage volumes in the coming three years. Now, the Anchorage housing market has demonstrated its resilience in the face of the pandemic with continuing demand for single-family homes, driving up sale prices due in part to a significant decline in the number of houses available for sale. And with historic low mortgages, interest rates, um, mortgage interest rates, Anchorage is now seeing record-setting average sale prices. It is a seller's market. AEDC projects that average sale price will rise in 2020 to a new record at $385,000 for an average home sold. While AEDC does not project average sale prices in the future years, we are continuing to see some signs that this rise in average sale prices may come to an end in 2021, due in part to the economic damage being inflicted by COVID-19 and a possible rise in interest rates at some point in 2021, as the impacts of COVID-19 hopefully begin to wane. Now, the last major economic indicator I would like to touch on in today's forecast is the oil and gas industry. Prices in production for Alaska North Slope crude are not what they used to be like in the boom days of the late 2000s and the first half of the last decade. But the oil and gas industry is still a key foundation block of the Anchorage and Alaska economy. We'll spend a little extra time on this sector given its importance to our current and future economy. The outlook for the future price of Alaska North Slope crude is trending at significantly lower levels than seen over the last 10 years. Volumes are also trending lower in the future projections. Historically, the oil and gas sector was a primary source of both jobs and government revenues for the state of Alaska. In previous decades, the oil and gas sector provided as much as 90% of the total tax revenues collected by state government. But due to declining volumes and a dramatically changed global oil market, the oil industry's ability to provide the lion's share of state government revenues has declined significantly. Let's look at this point more closely. This graph shows the gross value of all oil produced from the North Slope in billions of dollars by year. Now, as you can see, when prices and total production were higher in past years, the gross value of that oil was in the tens of billions of dollars and provided huge contributions to the state treasury, uh, revenue surpluses in the billions of dollars, and created record high employment in 2015. But following the total, near total collapse of the oil markets in 2014 and 15, today we find ourselves in a lower price environment combined with a lot less barrels of oil being produ uh, produced daily. This means that the annual gross value of Alaska's crude oil is less than half of what it was worth just six years ago. This isn't to say that oil and gas is less important to Alaska's economy. On the contrary, in 2018, the oil and gas sector generated near 27,000 direct, indirect, and induced jobs in Anchorage with a total payroll of nearly $1.9 billion. 
And this was in the fourth year of the Anchorage recession. In the coming years, oil and gas will be a key jobs generator that will be critical to the recovery of the Anchorage and Alaska economy. And before COVID-19 came to our state, Alaska's oil and gas sector was on the rebound. Statewide oil and gas employment rose in 2019, and recent new discoveries on, the north, on Alaska's North Slope of billions of new barrels of oil had lined up over $10 billion in pending new investments that would create thousands of new oil and gas jobs for Alaska's economy. Alaska and Anchorage were on the verge of a major upswing in the oil and gas sector in the next five years, and the state of Alaska would benefit from higher tax revenues as oil production increased thanks to these new investments. Then COVID-19 came to Alaska. The virus was a gut punch to the oil and gas sector. And now 2020 will see a significant decline in total production and per barrel value of oil produced, taking the projected total gross value of oil produced to $7.2 billion for the year. And Alaska lost an estimated 1,900 direct oil and gas jobs in just three months, and will not likely see many of those jobs come back this year. 2020 is a year of tremendous losses in the oil and gas industry, and the future of this vital industry remains in question in the future. Which leads me to an important question I want everyone to think about. With these facts and projections staring us in the face, is now the time to approve a massive tax increase on the oil and gas sector? For all of Alaska, the oil and gas sector in 2018 created nearly 78,000 direct, indirect, and induced jobs, $4.7 billion in payroll, and spent over $4.4 billion with thousands of Alaska businesses. The sector also paid $3.1 billion in taxes and fees to state and local governments in 2018. The oil and gas sector is a primary contributor to the Alaska and Anchorage economy and has the potential to make an even bigger contribution in jobs and government revenues in the next five years and beyond. But that potential is fragile when looking into the future. So here we are today with a whole new set of challenges to this industry, thanks to COVID-19. Our economy is taking a beating, as is the oil and gas industry. Alaskans face a tough road ahead as we work to overcome COVID-19 and get our economy on the road to recovery. So, I must ask you again, why would we put this critical foundation of our economy at risk with a very questionable plan to raise oil and gas taxes on the ballot this November? Ballot Proposition 1, simply put, will raise oil and gas taxes between 150 and 300 percent in a single year on the majority of existing North Slope oil production. It will create huge uncertainty for companies proposing over $10 billion in new investments in Alaska's North Slope to produce billions of additional barrels of oil over the next decade and beyond. Ballot Proposition 1 was drafted without the benefit of dozens of public hearings, like past changes to Alaska oil tax policy. Proposition 1 was drafted without the input of global experts on oil markets and oil taxation. Ballot Proposition 1 cannot be amended. Voters must take it or leave it as written. The Anchorage Economic Development Corporation is not an advocacy organization. You, you, need, you only need the fingers on one hand to count the number of times AEDC has taken a position on ballot measures of any kind in the, last, in the past decade. But in this case, the Board of Directors of the Anchorage Economic Development Corporation stands opposed to ballot proposition one. Oil tax policy is complicated as is, and the ballot box is the wrong place to enact complicated tax policy. Given the huge challenges our economy faces today and in the coming years, we cannot afford to put our economy at risk, at even more risk, 
by approving this massive change to oil and gas taxes. There is $10 billion in new oil and gas investments on the table, needing our full attention and support to help lead us out of this giant economic hole we now find ourselves in. AEDC urges you to vote no on Proposition 1 in November. Now in closing, we find ourselves in very difficult times, but they are not insurmountable. We can overcome this disaster and get back on the path to economic recovery. But it will be a long journey. It has taken us years to get where we are today, and it will take us years to get the Anchorage and Alaska economy back to where we started. There are many immediate issues we need to focus on first. The COVID-19 pandemic is expanding in our community with active cases growing rapidly with each passing day. If we are going to beat COVID-19, we have to be united in our efforts to fight back against the spread of this virus. As individuals, we are in the front lines um, of the fight to beat COVID-19. All of us, young or old, should avoid large gatherings, observe physical distancing when out in public, and most importantly, wear a mask when around others in public. AEDC, the Anchorage Chamber of Commerce, visit Anchorage, Anchorage Downtown Partnership, CHAR, Alaska Hospitality Retailers and the Alaska State Hospital and Nursing Home Association and many other members of the business and healthcare community of Anchorage support these measures for the safety of their employees and customers and to reduce the risk of having to go back into a full shutdown of the Anchorage economy. Any kind of a shutdown would be an even greater disaster for the Anchorage economy as we are now witnessing with the just announced four-week shutdown of indoor restaurant and bar service operations. Continued support for displaced workers will be critical during this time. Tens of thousands of workers are out of work in Anchorage and have now lost key protections, such as the eviction moratorium and the pandemic unemployment assistance program that provided $600 a week of additional employment benefits. Renewal of federal unemployment assistance, solutions to the looming eviction tsunami, how to address the critical need for affordable and available childcare, and how to protect thousands of workers and their families from the twin threats of homelessness and hunger are all critical issues that need to be addressed as soon as possible by our local, state, and federal governments. Another cold winter is on the horizon, and we do not have much time to develop strategies for these challenges before they become the next crisis to confront our community. No matter what we do in the coming months, our city and state are going to witness an unprecedented number of business closures in the next 12 months. Federal programs like PPP and EIDL have been a great help in the past, uh, in, in the last several months, but these programs need to be reworked and redeployed to better address the needs of hundreds of businesses that couldn't access those programs. The state of Alaska AK Cares Business Grant Program has undergone several recent revisions to be deployed August 6th, tomorrow, that intend to add over $250 million in much-needed assistance in the next few months. But all these programs are currently slated to end by December 30th or sooner. We all know how long Alaska winters are, and if we don't bring new support resources for businesses online and for workers online by January of 2021, the number of business closures and unemployed workers will likely spike significantly in the first half of 2021, which will only make a bad situation much, much worse. The business community has already stepped up to help with responding to the immediate impacts of COVID-19 on the economy. The Economic Resiliency Task Force, formed by business and nonprofit leaders at the request of Mayor Berkowitz, has been providing advice and guidance on a number of issues to the City of Anchorage, the State of Alaska, and the Congressional Delegation, and the community at large. 
The ERTF is focused on the needs of businesses and workforce and addressing the challenges faced by black, indigenous, and people of color-owned businesses and workforce. But it is clear to the ERTF that the challenges we face could easily outstrip current resources available. By the end of 2020, Anchorage will end the year down a total of 17,000 jobs since 2015, a loss of nearly 20 years of job growth. There are bright spots in the current situation, and we have many opportunities to pursue to get us back to growth. However, it is going to take several years of effort and investment to regain the jobs that we have lost. For months, we have been having to react to an ever-changing set of challenges. We have been in response mode to deal with the immediate impacts of COVID-19. In the coming months, we must pivot to lay out plans and strategies to rebuild our economy. In setting our path forward, we must seek to move our community towards a more resilient and diverse economic model, a rebuilt economy that can better withstand future economic disasters. Using the lessons of an old fairy tale, I leave you with this thought. The damage to our community over the last five years of recession, and especially in the last five months of COVID-19, has demonstrated that much of our economic house was built out of straw. This delicate structure could not withstand COVID-19's storm. As a result, our house has suffered great and lasting damage, some of which may never be repaired. As we come together to rebuild Anchorage's economy, do we really want to rebuild the same house of straw? Or should we aspire to build something sturdier, a brick house? It is up to all of us together to decide. And now, it is my great pleasure to introduce our keynote speaker, Tim Moore, the CEO of Diamond View Studios in Tampa, Florida. Now, Tim is a leading expert in purpose-driven marketing and helping businesses to develop long-term and sustaining relationships with customers, a skill now more important than ever. I first met Tim earlier this year at a conference in Tampa where he made the case for purpose-driven marketing as a critical tool for businesses, communities, and economic development to be successful in the coming years. Now, his speech clearly demonstrated the reasons for his success as an entrepreneur, successful business owner, philanthropist, and community leader. I am so glad to have Tim here today to share his views with all of you. After Tim shares his perspectives on purpose-driven marketing and conscious consumerism, we'll have the chance to ask him questions by submitting your question on Zoom using the Q&A feature. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Tim Moore to the 2020 AEDC Three-Year Outlook Luncheon. Good afternoon, Alaska, and welcome to the second half of 2020. For many of us, this has been a roller coaster of a year so far, just six months in. If you'll remember in February, this was the best economy we'd ever seen. Unemployment was at an all-time low and the stock market was at an all-time high. But just one month later, a global pandemic hits and it paralyzes the world economy. It puts millions of American workers in economic uncertainty. With unemployment, unpaid leave, the future was unsure. In fact, for many major industries that were pillars of the American economy, they were in jeopardy of extinction. This is a tough time in America. And I think many businesses are asking, what's next? But before we get to the future, I think we should ask ourselves, how did we get here? For the last 100 years, we've preached prosperity to the American masses. We've rebranded the American dream to life, liberty, and the purchase of happiness. But is satisfaction really for sale? And if so, why is it that the wealthiest country in the world, our depression rate is higher than anyone else's? Our suicide rate continues to increase year over year. And right now, household debt is higher than it's ever been. You see, I believe we put too much emphasis on prosperity and not enough emphasis on purpose. In fact, I believe that American businesses 
have a higher purpose now than ever before. Of course, businesses need profit in order to survive, but the purpose of business in America isn't to make as much profit as they can. You see, I think the goal of the business is to find their gift and the purpose of that business is to give their gift to the world. So the first thing I wanna show you in order to find purpose is that we need to find our passion. Passion is that thing that when you put energy into it, you get more energy out. It's doing what you love so much that you would do it for free, but becoming so good at it that people would be willing to pay you. I'll tell you where I found my passion. 15 years ago, I was in an airport getting ready to go to the Dominican Republic. I had learned about a trip that my church was taking and I thought it was a vacation. It turned out to be a missions trip. And as I was getting ready to get on this plane, a counselor came over with this large suitcase looking item and he gave it to me. He said, Tim, you are gonna be the video guy. He hands it to me and it's this old VHS recorder, the kind that you put on your shoulder. And I tell him, I, well, I've never recorded a video before. I don't, I don't think I'm gonna be the best guy for you. And he said, no, Tim, it's easy. This is what you do. On the back, there's a button. When you press it, it blinks red. Whatever you point at goes in and whatever it goes in comes back. I just need you to record the memories and moments of this week and bring it back to the church. And so I take this camera and I head over to the Dominican and little did I know this moment's gonna change my life. We get on these little buses called guaguas and we go all throughout the island. And the group I was with, we went to uh, the western part of the island, right where Haiti and the Dominican meet. And in this area, it's extremely impoverished. So I'm taking this camera around and I started off by following the mopeds that drove by until we get into more and more remote parts of the village. We get to an area where people lived in shacks of a home. They had uh, scrap metal on the sides of their house and they were uh, next to a landfill. They would use garbage to actually build their huts. And as I looked at these people, I realized it'd be jealous to have the problems that we have in America. I remember recording throughout that week, seeing things I'd never seen before. As a 15-year-old kid, I never knew the kind of poverty that existed around the world. When I came back to America, I, I edited a short video of the trip, and I got ready to show it to the church. And it was on the screens in the sanctuaries, large screens with a big sound system. And I remember seeing it on there and realizing that it emphasized the effect when it was that big. And about two minutes later, as the video ended, uh, and the lights came up, I realized nobody was clapping but I could look across the pews and see that people were wiping away tears. I realized something important as a 15-year-old kid, that stories have a great impact on people. And as the pastor came up and he uh, asked if anyone wanted to help with this, I saw people take money out of their pocket and give it to people they'd never met before in a country they'd never been to for a cause that two minutes ago nobody knew about. I sat there in the back of that church and thought, wow, this is a different kind of advertising. For the next four years, I worked at that church and I loved what I did every day because every story that I worked on was so impactful. So in 2008, I started Diamond View. At the time, it was the worst economy of the past 60 years. We were just going into a recession and I couldn't afford a camera or a computer. So all I had was the dream and the hustle. You know, they say the dream is free, but the hustle, that's sold separately. On the weekends, I would shoot weddings. And on the weekdays, I would shoot for nonprofits and help out at that church still. But I loved what I did, so the time flew by. And I kept growing Diamond View for about two years until I started getting into commercial work. And once I got into commercial work, the business skyrocketed. My roommate at the time, uh, who was studying to be a doctor, joined the business. And we were dreaming the same dream. You see, when two people dream the same dream, that's no longer a dream, that's just a goal. 
and we grew towards that goal and became the largest video company in Tampa, which is the 11th largest media market in the U.S. We began to win several awards, even Emmy Awards, which is one of the highest awards you can get in video. We were recognized nationally as one of the most innovative video companies in 2017 by the National Association of Broadcasters. But something had happened. I lost sight of the very thing that sparked Diamond View a few years back. That lesson that I learned in the back of the church as a 15-year-old kid, I realized I was no longer following the purpose of the business. I believe the second pillar to finding purpose is realizing your full potential. You see, in psychology, there's an effect called the mere exposure effect. It says that the more exposure you have to an idea, the more likely you are to believe it. And in fact, there's a part of the brain that's dedicated to this. It's called the reticular activating system. And it's constantly scanning and filtering for things that it sees as important. You might notice when you get a new car that you begin to see that car everywhere on the road. You get a blue Ford Focus and there's a million Ford Focuses that come by. It's not because that car has instantly become more popular that you bought it. It's because you see that car every day and now your mind is looking for it. And I think there's no better place to see this example than in a small neighborhood in Miami called Wynwood. You see, eight years ago, I went to Wynwood. It was an abandoned place. It's kind of scary to be because there was gangs and drugs were rampant. But something had happened in this area. A few artists went in and they started making murals. The artwork began to attract more artwork. The abandoned buildings got filled in with businesses and the gangs went away. And this district of Wynwood in Miami became something totally different than what it started as. You see, some people call this law of attraction, that what you think about, you bring about. The mere exposure of this positive art began to cultivate a positive community. It was at that time that we were looking at buying a building in North Tampa. And we set our eyes on an old cigar factory looking building. It's a beautiful property, but it was foreclosed on and it needs some love. The area around the building um, reminded me a lot of Wynwood. In fact, it was in a school zone right next to an elementary school that was a community school. It was a community school because 90% of all the students walked to school instead of being bused in. They walked from the community. And about 300 of those students walked right by that building every single day. And so we had an idea. The idea was simple. We wanted to be like Wynwood and create a positive mural on the side of the building that said dream big. And as we looked at it, we found the perfect spot. The only problem was there was 12 trees in the way. So trying to get a permit to remove trees wasn't going to be an easy thing. But we put our story down on a piece of paper and sent it to the county. And our first permit got denied. And so we tried again. This time we explained that it was in a school zone and that we were putting positive art and we needed to remove the trees in order for the kids to see them. But that second permit also got denied. And so a third one, we wrote a longer letter and we described exactly what we wanted to do to be like Wynwood and attract that kind of positivity into the community. And so I get a call from a lady from the county that has a very distinct voice and she says, Tim, I want to let you know these permits you're putting in, we can't approve them. And just because you change what you put on there doesn't mean we're going to change our opinion. So I just wanted to let you know um, we won't be approving the removal of the trees for your inspiring mural. She hangs up the phone and I do what any normal person would do. I decide I'm going to put in three more permits. And this time I'm going to write a little longer of an essay of why I believe that we should have this inspiring mural on the corner of our property. 
And after the sixth permit we put in, I get a call from the same lady with a very distinct voice. And she tells me, Tim, I just want to let you know, if you put in any more permits, we're going to start fining you because of the paperwork that's piling up here. And I've already told you we're not going to approve this type of permit. So for about a year and a half, it goes silent. The idea of this positive mural in the building uh, falls to the wayside until one day I get a call from that very distinct voice. And it was a very interesting time because you see in Florida, we have one other season that most states don't have. It's called hurricane season. And it was the week leading into a category five hurricane coming right into Tampa Bay. And so I begin this conversation with a voice that I know all too well. She says, Tim, this is your lucky week because during the week of the hurricane, Hillsborough County doesn't look at permits for tree removals. We understand for many of our residents, trees fall and so we are here to assist them in the removal of them. And I said, what are you telling me? She says, I'm not. And as she hung up the phone, we had 12 trees fall that week on the south side of our property, bordering the school right next to where the mural would go. And the county came and took them off for free. And what I realized was the county actually wanted to help make this happen, but the conditions weren't right. You see, sometimes even in the hurricanes, they're there to help blow over the obstacles that are in your way. And today, now the Dream Big Mural proudly stands tall, 90 feet long on the side of our building. This mural has become one of the most popular murals in Tampa with hundreds of people who come out and take photos with it and post on social media. And so we decided not only were we going to do that, but we were going to make a nonprofit organization called the Tampa Foundation, where we would put inspiring murals all throughout the city and do it anonymously. Today, two years later, we have 12 murals and we do a new one about every two months. You see, I realized the real potential of our purpose. It was bigger than just our business. And so this foundation became a way that others could help achieve it as well. And along the way, I found a whole community of purpose-driven companies that were using their business as a force for good. They called themselves B Corps. And so you see with the foundation and B Corp, we became part of something bigger. It allowed us to have allies in our mission and our purpose. And so this last pillar I want you to think on in your journey towards purpose is to maximize your platform. The best way to get people to care about your purpose is for you to tell them in a compelling way. And understand your audience is your employees, it's your customers, and it's yourself. And so today I want to tell you an archetype for the purpose told story, and it's called the hero's journey. You see, the hero's journey was something that Joseph Campbell had coined years ago. He was studying Greek mythology and he discovered what's called the monomyth. His book, A Hero with a Thousand Faces, tells a story about a particular archetype called the hero's journey that's used for storytelling all across the world, from the story of Moses to Star Wars to the Matrix and everything in between. And this is how the story goes. In the hero's story, there's an underdog. The underdog is born into a broken world. He meets a mentor who gives him a magical gift. And with that gift, he gains power to save the world and become the hero he was meant to be. So if you think about this in context of Star Wars, Luke Skywalker meets a mentor, Obi-Wan Kenobi. He gives him the gift of the Force. He takes the Force to the Death Star and he saves the galaxy. From an underdog to a hero, Luke Skywalker changes the world. In The Matrix, Neo meets Morpheus and he gives him a blue pill, which unveils the Matrix. He tells him the magic of the Matrix and Neo goes in and saves that world. From an underdog to a hero, that's his hero's journey. And lastly, in the story of Moses, he talks to a burning bush 
and God gives him a magical staff, the staff he takes and he separates the Red Sea and allows the Israelites to go to safety. From an underdog, Moses becomes the hero. You see, the most important part of this archetype is understanding who you are in that story. In the purpose told story, understand that you are always the mentor. You are never the hero. You are giving the gift of your purpose to an audience and they'll become the hero that saves the world. They become part of your purpose to save a broken world. And see, that is the purpose told story. So before we leave here today, I wanna to give you a cheat sheet to finding purpose personally, professionally, and organizationally. It's a system called Ikigai. And it was invented by Japanese culture over a century ago, and it still rings true today. The first pillar to this is, what do you love? Like we talked about in the beginning, what is your passion? What is that thing that you get up in the morning and you want to do, that urge you have inside? But the second part is, what are you good at? Maybe you love singing, but if you don't have the golden pipes, that might not be the best career for you. Maybe you love basketball, but if you're five foot two, a career in the NBA is gonna be unlikely for you. So you gotta figure out what do you love and what are you good at and where do those meet? But the third thing is, what can you get paid for? And this one seems a little bit outside of purpose, but, but think about it this way. There's many starving artists out there who love what they do and they're great at it, but they can never really make it a career. And when you can't make something a career, it becomes unsustainable. And so that third pillar of making it something that you can generate income, that you can make sustainable and scale and grow, that's an important part of your purpose that many people don't talk about in the world today. But the last part and the most difficult part is, what does the world need? How are you gonna give back and fulfill your highest purpose in a meaningful way? That, that fourth pillar of giving to the world is what's gonna get you to the center of your purpose. I believe if you make it to the center of this chart, you're gonna embark on a journey that's gonna be a meaningful one. And so as we close today, I hope you take the time in this crazy year of 2020 to reflect on your true purpose in your career, in your business, in your organization. And while this may be a setback in America, I hope this turns out to be a comeback in your life. Thanks for having me, Alaska. Thanks for joining us today for Addressing Alaskans. You just heard the Anchorage Economic Development Corporation's three-year outlook. This program was edited for time. The full version and presentation slides can be found on the Addressing Alaskans page on alaskapublic.org. For Alaska Public Media, I'm Ammon Swenson. Addressing Alaskans is a production of Alaska Public Media, which is solely responsible for its content. Theme music is by Patrick Lee. The views expressed are those of the hosts and participants and do not reflect KSKA or its underwriters. To let us know about an upcoming community event that you would like to hear on Addressing Alaskans, go to our website at alaskapublic.org and click on Contact Us at the bottom of the page. Life Informed, this is Alaska Public Media.